heard you had a show coming up. Yeah, this weekend you coming? Dude, I will be there. Nice. So you got your tickets? Oh, not yet. I'm gonna get them tomorrow though. The show's sold out. Don't worry, I, I got you on the guest list. Oh man, you're the best. Can I get a plus one? Uh, don't push your luck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trotting the Get Down and White Sox Dave. With you from the band, as always, is your boy Colin. We have the cowboy, Dave Williams. Dave, how are we doing today, buddy? Dave's doing great. Oh, God, I got to drop the bit, man. Like, no, when I was doing the whole, going. I can't, I can't. It's just so douchey. <laughs> when, I, when I was doing the whole cowboy thing a month back or whatever, I was talking in the third person, and now, like, it's habit. Whenever now you're obsessed healthy, with it. No, I, I hate it because it's so cringeworthy, but it was it was funny. I don't want to overdo it, so I am doing great. Uh, it was a nice weekend in Chicago. Got rid of all the snow. Baseball's back. Um, guitar is going well. Yes, um, it is. We're going to get into that. I'm on cloud nine right now, actually. I, I woke up today. I don't know why because it, it was a Monday. Who likes Mondays? And I just felt great all day. Someone who's always on top of the ball, someone who's always in a great mood. From the band, we have our saxophone player, Mr. William Shade, in the building today. Will, how are we, buddy? Yo, I'm doing good. I just uh, stuffed my face with some chicken parmesan. Uh, made it with, yeah, it took, 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 a, took me and my roommate like three to four good hours of like, you know, like we, we did this like fancy recipe. It was sick. We like the sauce itself took 45 minutes. It was amazing. That's the yeah. best. You're, you're talking right great. to my sensibilities, bro. That's exactly. I had eggplant rollatini yesterday. Mm. The Italian in me is coming out. I feel amazing. Uh, but we're happy to have Will here. Will is, for those who don't know, is the saxophone player in Fox trying to get down. Probably the smartest person that I know. Probably the best musician that I know other than our guest this week. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the amazing, the talented Mr. Corey Wong from Wolfpack on the podcast today. Will has toured with Corey before. You, how many shows have you played with Corey, you think? Uh, I think I've probably played about five shows. So, like, not not actually too many. But, um, you know, one the first one was, a, like, a short three-show run on the East Coast, New York, Philly, and D.C., um, then I went up to Rochester, New York for a one-off Ooh. festival with him. Um, and then the last time, actually, last time I played with him, I just sat in uh, at TLA back in January. So, yeah, it's it's an it's an incredible experience every time. For those in the know about who Corey is and who Wolfpack are, I mean, it's such a cult following, and they're just unbelievable musicians. I mean, I talked to Dave about this after the interview, but I said I've never talked to somebody who I felt that much dumber than. Like Corey might be the smartest person that I've ever interviewed. He was un fucking believable. The guy's a genius, man. I uh, I wasn't all too familiar with him or Wolfpack prior to recording with him and prior to the last few weeks. You actually introduced me to them, mm -hmm. and I'm hooked on their music. It's right up my alley, like, stylistically. Um, yeah. So it was kind of easy transition to get into them. But, like, I, I can't wait for people to kind of be more introduced to him. Like, I, I, like I've, said, I've said this before, probably episode one, of me hopping on that. I like to go down music rabbit holes, not of necessarily listening to music, but to read up on any given musician or band's backstory. Yeah. And this dude just rocks, man. So does so does Wolfpack and all the other um, projects that he's working on. He's and you even you told me like off off camera last. Well, not off camera, but like off recording last week that this guy's one of the best guitarists on the planet. And I I was just like kind of lost in what he was saying. He's as normal as can be, too for mm -hmm. i mean you'll we'll get to the interview i don't want to give too much away but 
like me lobbing up a Minnesota Twins or Chicago White Sox question, and him just going down the Chuck Knobloch rabbit hole was awesome, you know? Because yep. I wasn't no, sure I mean, what kind of reaction I'd get to that. Yeah, and I feel like a huge uh, aspect of like a lot of successful musicians that you talk about is their aesthetic in addition to their sound and mm. their persona as an artist. And I feel like, especially with Wolfpack and Corey's solo project, have such defining and iconic, unmistakable elements that you yep. can only associate with that with that artist. And it's just something that they've built over time, like the aesthetic, the fan base, the sense of humor, the whole oh, yeah. like bit, the inside jokes, everything is just, it's art. I mean, in, I mean in, inside and outside of the music. Corey's aesthetic, but not only that, Corey's style of playing you can pick Corey wong out of the lineup without ever looking at him you know what Corey's guitar sounds like you know what that strat specifically sounds like and i mean that's actually a really good segue into where we're going in this episode we're going to be talking in the beginning about authenticity and originality and we talked a lot about Corey gave you a lot of advice dave where he was yep. talking about you know you want to make it in the music industry first off you got to find out who you are what you sound like and you know Corey from the second you hear him play the guitar and not to mention the fact that our our pick of the week is Katie Feeney who's a great friend of the band a collaborator of the band she's known as Roberta Faceplant so we're going to be talking to her and playing her song at the end of the episode but she is also someone who is a complete original and and getting to talk to Corey and Katie one thing I really like, like grabbed onto in the process of making this episode was the idea of originality and authenticity. And I mean, we were talking about this before the episode started, but it's been a slow time in music. Really, much hasn't been happening. The biggest thing to come out in the last couple of weeks has been either like the Pooh Shiesty album, who I'm a big fan of. You know, shouts out Memphis, shouts out Memphis hip hop. But other than that, Post Malone covering a, a Hootie and the Blowfish song for a Pokemon soundtrack. There's not a lot moving right now. Really, the biggest stories that have been going on in the music industry in the past like two weeks have been Daft Punk breaking up or D'Angelo's Versus, which me and Will were both going to mm. get into later. But why is it that everybody was talking about a band that hasn't made a record in eight years ending their career? And it's because Daft Punk are just full-on originals. They're going to be the people that in 50 years we'll be yep. talking about as people who changed the music industry. And Dave, as you begin your journey as a musician... You're going to learn what it is that you sound like, what you look like, what your aesthetic is, what you're making. And I mean, Will, me and you have worked through this in the industry as, for, for as long as we can. It's all about who you are. And, and, and Dave, I, I feel like the right place to start here is with Barstool. That's what you guys are all about. It's about authenticity. It's about speaking directly to the people and giving the most of yourself that you possibly can. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's a really, I don't want to call it an easy parallel to draw, but there's definitely parallels there. So, yeah, I mean, I was like, I, I don't, every day I wake up, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how did I wind up here? Because yeah. it obviously it's become a major media platform. I didn't go to school to study, you know, broadcasting or, and I'm an awful public speaker. I do. I will admit that I have gotten better. I do think that because I used to be so, so, so brutal. Um, just talking into a microphone, if, whether it's to three people or an audience of people. And um, but like I, I was working in logistics, talking to truck drivers every day, just a handful of years ago. And that resonates with people that mm -hmm. I have that background. And I, in Barcelona, Chicago, especially like they they're, they always compare us to like the old Milton days and everything, which. Yeah. So I think that authentic and authenticity, like it, it draws 
and obviously there's a loud minority that doesn't like us, but like in the end, the, the authenticity is no one else does what we do. You know, no. like I I'm covering the white Sox. I, I don't, I have no business covering them because like, there's all these people out there that, you know, went to school and, and studied their ass offs. And I'm just like, okay, like now I got a bigger following than anybody in white Sox media. How the fuck did this happen? It's crazy to me. So um it's like i i count my blessings every single day but like you nailed it it's the authenticity that works with people well i mean we talk so much about different people or, or different organizations within the music industry that we're like why is this popular or how did this get like this and i always use the term it's like a focus group i feel like a lot of this stuff is manufactured but the one thing that we've always had a conversation about as a band is the fact that you have to find out who you are and ride that out you can't like you can go the opposite route and sell your soul and try and get the quick buck. But to me, it's more about finding out who the fuck you are and doing it that way. And I think that's what lasts in the music industry. And that's why we're talking about Daft Punk and D'Angelo in 2021. Yep. You know what I mean? And, and Corey is a perfect example of that. Corey is somebody in the music industry and will, you have much bigger of a background on Wolfpack and Corey and all the individual members, but like, they have found their own lane in the way to do things. Like, Will, how, like, how did you get introduced to Wolfpack? Oh, man. I want to say that it was, you know, some friends uh, that were in the Philly funk scene um, that introduced me to the band. But at that point in time, they were introducing me to the music, whereas I had heard the name well before. So I think... Uh, you know, I went to Drexel for music industry, uh, you know, business of music. And, you know, I had a lot of record label classes and, you know, music marketing classes. And I remember one of the stories that came up that we were talking about was this, you know, the the silent album on Spotify. You know, oh, yeah. Streaming was the hottest thing. And you know, everyone was saying, like, are, are artists going to get their fair shake off of this new platform? Are, are consumers going to buy into it? Spotify this, Spotify that. It almost got really tiring in that program list having to hear like every single class had to be about Spotify, but right. You know, Wolfpack releases this silent album on Spotify and with goal of, you know, whichever cities listen to this, like with the goal of, you know, they're telling their fans, okay, it, the album was called sleepify, so, you know, put yep. this album on while you're sleeping and whatever cities stream this album the most, that's where we're going to tour. Um, and that's wow. how we're going to figure out what our, what our most solid fan base is. Um, so that was when I originally heard of them, but obviously, okay, silent album. Like I'm not, I'm not checking out the band You're not getting just because that they way. did something cool like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, like one of my great friends and also uh, a, tr a trombone player who plays very frequently with Corey, Ian Gray actually uh, is one of my friends in the, in the funk scene and, introduced me to them and also uh is actually the person who i think started the wolf pack uh oh, no, no shit. Or, like, the group on facebook yeah so um you know i was a member uh on the on the ground level in that group you know when it was only uh, a few hundred now it's you know several, that feels good to be a thousand. part of though right be so, like i told you so i knew it about really them does ago. Yeah, it's the hipster thing where it's like, oh, I knew about them before they got big. And I even feel that way about Wolfpack because I found Wolfpack through what they used to do on Facebook. Is I guess they do sponsored ads or whatever they would do. But the Dean Town video where they were all playing individual parts of an instrument. There's like 10 people in this video and they're all playing either like just the kick drum or just the snare or just the hi-hat or the bass. 
And I, I fell in love instantaneously, which is why I was so excited to have Corey on. But when you bring up bands like Wolfpack and we talk about, you know, Daft Punk and D'Angelo, it's a question I've asked on the podcast before. But who in today's day and age is going to be an artist that we remember 20 years from now? I mean, it's really tough because so much shit is fly by night. So much shit is come and go. That's an awesome question. I honestly have not the slightest idea where to even begin. Personally. I mean, to me, like I think about like, and we're talking about because like, there's the Kanye's and the Drake's and stuff like that that are established. And we know that yeah, we'll be talking course, about yeah. them in due time. But I mean, I, I I live in the rock scene. So like I think about, is there any rock bands right now that I'll be like, holy shit, I was around for the beginning of that. It almost feels like it's almost in a weird transitional phase right now where like nobody's really sticking their head out. That's an interesting point because I feel like you have, you know, the legacy acts that are just starting to, you know, fade a little bit. You know, you had The Who, you had yeah. Rolling Rolling Stones. Um, I mean, those guys are almost 80 years old now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. AC, AC, Big Jagger might be 80s. I mean, DC. They they a few months ago they released a new a new album. Yeah, they've been um, still yeah. spitting on music. So, oh, yeah. but but like in terms of what the next wave is going to be, I think you have to consider the Killers in there as a yep. as a Agreed. future okay, legacy yep. a, a future legacy touring act. Um, Vampire Weekend, top, I think will be one. Possibly, they but have, honestly, like I, I don't know where we where do we draw the line between that sort of like indie pop rock and, and yeah. like more just rock rock and well, roll. I, th I think what you're seeing right now is there's a new genre of like singer songwriters coming out that are incorporating bands we talk about phoebe bridgers all the time mm -hmm. phoebe bridgers is someone who has the opportunity right now to capitalize and become the biggest name in in rock rock indie altar whatever the fuck you want to call it because the lines are blurring there is no fucking lines right now right now there's an opportunity for people to step up and say okay this will be our genre we will push this forward i'm not worried about that but to me it's more of like we talk about machine gun kelly on this podcast a lot for some reason and it's more of like we, the idea of like is this real is this authentic or is this a product of a fucking record label and i don't know but when i look at things today like wolfpack and i and i see things that are grassroots and built the fuck up that gives me hope in the world that we live in today and so I think for any fucking musician listening right now, like the biggest thing is fucking be yourself. You can take Corey Wong's advice, not mine. Be your fucking self, be authentic, and let the chips fall where they may. And somebody is going to latch onto you. Honestly, do you think, I know this is a dumb question, but like, do you think Portnoy expected Barstool being a grassroots thing to be where it is now? I'm sure. Absolutely he, fucking I, not. You don't think so? Not, absolutely not. I mean, there was multiple times, and he'll, he'll he's told the story before where. Like he like if it weren't for the blackout tour and yeah. like that was when I was in college when it was in its heyday and I don't mm -hmm. even know if you guys remember that but if it weren't for that they he was gonna call it quits and go get a cube job somewhere unbelievable because the I mean he couldn't pay anybody he couldn't pay himself he was living with his in laws for for a hot minute wow. uh, just trying to make it and here he is worth you know whatever however many internet dollars he's worth today so enough money um, that we don't know the answer. You know what a I mean? lot of money, a lot of money. I mean, that's the biggest thing that scares people away from the music industry, frankly, is the fact that it's a gamble. So is things that oh, yeah. do on the internet. It's, it's all fucking gamble. But frankly, when I look at things like Daft Punk and D'Angelo still being talked about today, it gives me that fucking hope and that fire in me that it's like, okay, we'll figure this shit out. And there are still legends available. And, and, and on that, you know, I'm proud of what we've done in quarantine, Will. And this is to everybody listening. We're just getting fucking started. And Dave, I'm glad you're I fucking, fucking cannot. I cannot wait for the future for you guys. I can't wait for it. You're a part of the fucking team now, buddy. You don't have to say you guys. It's us. We're all tied together. We're all on this ship. Come sink or swim. So 
I'm happy to be here. It's going to be a fucking fantastic episode. We have amazing interviews. We got a bunch of segments. Green Room Picks come back today. And we're going to start off the segments today with on the guest list, off the guest list. I'm going to start, then Will, then Dave. Am I on the guest list? I've mentioned him already. Is motherfucking D'Angelo. Holy shit. For those of you not up on what Versus is, it's usually two musicians that will battle themselves on Instagram live hit for hit, and they'll play the hits. It, it's a buddy-buddy experience. D'Angelo's so fucking big and so legendary that it was D'Angelo and Friends. It was basically just a D'Angelo concert over Instagram Live. And it, I watched it, and I got emotional because I love D'Angelo. But it made me think about how many people are influenced by D'Angelo and how much he changed the music industry. But more than that, and this is on a bigger note, we're just coming out of Black History Month, and it reminded me of the fact that all artists have a certain... I don't, it's like a debt to pay to the black artists that came before us and the music that Absolutely. they created. And, and it, it, we've talked about it so much on this podcast, the history of music, the history of American music and where it all comes from. And it just gave me that sense of like, holy shit, I need to be reminded. We all need to be reminded from time to time that we need to know where the music's from. D'Angelo showed me that. And D'Angelo is on my fucking list. So shout out to D'Angelo. Will, who's on your list? Yeah, dude, dude. Um, uh, American music history is synonymous with Black history, and there's no Fact, doubt yeah. about that at Fact. all. Um, you know, honestly, I was about to say D'Angelo as well. Honestly, like since you said it, I'll actually, you know, just just go a couple one degree removed and go with her who oh, joined yeah. who joined D'Angelo for a song during that uh, that versus stream. Um, you know, on top of that, obviously her performance at the Super Bowl was unreal. Unbelievable. Um, and you know, like awesome of uh, also awesome of D'Angelo to be, you know, putting on the next generation of, you know, true, you know, classic R and B soul artists. Yep. And like passing the torch. She's really incredible. Also, shout out to Method Man and Red Man for making an appearance. Oh yeah. That was dope. What a fucking incredible performance, and I can't wait for the next verses. I've heard something about a Wu Tang versus, and I can't. I heard Riz or uh, Raekwon and Ghostface. I want to see that, but I want to see a D'Angelo album. Me too. Well, we're going to get. You think that you think this means a new album? I do. I fully do. I don't think he's going. I don't think D'Angelo is coming out of wherever D'Angelo is hiding from, unless he has something to promote. So, shout out to D'Angelo, both on the list for me and Will. Dave, who's your pick? Uh, I mean, I could sense the emotion in your in your little speech right there and yeah, and man. i and i respect the fuck out of it i like like you just said like you have to pay homage to those that be, that came before you and and d'angelo versus um they're pioneers at what they they are and what 100%. they do and and i uh am going a completely different route and i'm gonna <laughs> kill the kid i'm gonna totally kill the vibe here but uh my on the guest list pick is adam sandler so last that's week, killing the vibe. that's Let's killing go. the vibe. Like you were like getting into that. Like we're going to sit here and like, you know, spew happy Gilmore. Just talk lines, bullshit but, about happy Gilmore. Yeah, but um, yet last week was the 25th anniversary of happy Gilmore coming out. I'm sure you guys saw the, uh, the little back and forth shooter McGavin. Shooter. Uh, I forget his real name. His last name is McDonald. I, I want to say he'll uh, always just actor. be shooter McGavin. Yeah, he's the most typecast actor in the history oh, of acting. Yeah. He's shooter. Uh, but they had the little back and forth. Happy Gilmore's on the golf course. He does the Happy Gilmore shot, or yeah. Adam Sandler, rather. And um, I did go into a little rabbit hole of of um, uh, Adam Sandler movies this weekend, even though, I mean, I've seen them all a thousand times over, and I've seen them all a thousand times a year. Cool. But uh, I did watch Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore and The Water Boy. And I got to say this, 
I, I never really noticed it, but the funniest scene I've ever seen in a movie, and I'll take this to the grave. Uh, well, one <laughs> of them at least, is the scene where uh, it's like it's Stuart Scott and they're doing a sports center highlights. Rest in peace. And they're like, and then the University of Michigan just tried out their towel boy to see if he could play wide receiver. And then he does a slant over the middle and gets completely decapitated. And he's just sitting there lifeless. It's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And it happens for five seconds and no one ever talks about it. I was in tears watching it. The water boy has those lines though. My favorite line in the Adam Sandler movie is when they're, they're at dinner at their house and Mr. Coach Klein is there. And they have the, the snake on the dinner table. Yeah, just wrapped up. <laughs> and he just goes, wow, Miss Boucher, this is delicious. If I may ask, what part of the snake am I eating? And she the goes, <laughs> well, snakes don't really have parts, but if I had to say his knee, and I fucking <laughs> yeah, die every fucking time. That's actually a good impersonation. Thank you. I, I can do impersonations. I can't do accents. It's impersonations. I'm a good mimic. So Kathy Bates is, is that uh, the unseekable Molly Brown. In a Titanic. But yeah, Adam Sandler. I've heard he's like the best dude of all time, too. Me, too. I've um, heard nothing but great things about Adam Sandler. I tweeted something about it, and some dude responded to me. He's like, yeah, we had, like me and four of my boys were golfing in Connecticut last summer, whenever it was, and we ran into Adam Sandler, and we asked him to do a happy Gilmore shot, and he just laughed it up, and he did it for him. He's the fucking Which, man, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I love hearing when guys are good dudes. He's just a normal guy. Also, he is the fit lord. No one has better outfits than Adam Sandler. He's wearing like giant four XL and one basketball shorts, yeah. like Starberries and a fucking hoodie that's a Syracuse. For Fifteen on it. bucks. He's the they, fucking uh, man, dude. He um, what was that about? I don't know, but yeah, he's the best. He's the best. Um, I, that's he's a good on one my guest list. Dude. I want him at one of our concerts coming up. It'd be a very, it'd be a fun green room with D'Angelo. And Adam Sandler. He's at, he's actually a good athlete too. You ever yeah, seen him like actually play basketball? Like he, he can, can shoot, shoot, dude. Yeah, hundred percent. He's like a legit athlete. All right, you want to talk about killing the mood? Here we go. I'll go with my off the list. Uh, my off the list are the guys that stole Lady Gaga's dogs and shot her dog mm. walker. What the fuck, man? That's nightmare fuel. As a dog lover and a dog owner, Dave, I know you are as well, yep. dude. Holy shit. And then, like, we're, I'm, like, looking it up, and apparently one of her three dogs got away and was recovered right away. What kind of heartless piece of shit do you have to be to stalk Lady Gaga's dog walker while she's not even there and steal her dogs? No, so I bad. guess it's an actual problem in L.A. right now. So French mm-hmm. bulldogs of that Very breed, expensive. Like, four or five grand, so you can steal them and sell them, no problem. God, um, so this was not directed at Lady Gaga I don't believe so. I, there's a lot of the story that actually seems kind of fishy. Oh, totally fishy. But I don't need to go into conspiracy theories unless you guys want to. I can go a whole rabbit hole on. Now we'll be good, man. Theories. But um, the, the guy who got shot, the dog, dog walker, made an Instagram post. He's like, I really don't want to make this media thing. He did it from his hospital bed. He's like, I'm that. Lady Gaga's dog walker. Like, I never in a million years thought I'd get fucking shot while walking dogs. Um, but, um, they did, they found that. So this is the fishy part though, is that some lady said she found the dogs and gave them back. So I'm sure there is a whole bunch, you know, there, obviously there's a whole media circus around it. And then some girl just found them. Nah, that's a little, that, that stinks a little bit. She just made 500 grand because that was the reward to bring them back. But all I know is fuck whoever did that. That's fucked up. Shouts out to the dogs. Shouts out to Lady Gaga, who is a national treasure. I fucking love Lady Gaga. I Uh, hated her at first because I thought Poker Face was like the worst song I've ever heard. That's understandable. Otherworldly talented. 
Dude, uh, she she really is ungodly. She, when she worked with Mark Ronson and did the soundtrack for, for uh, A Star is Born, Born, that was the best movie I've another, seen in years. Dude, so good. She she is just next level talented. And you wanted to, me and Dave talk about all the time people who worked their way up. She was playing bar gigs yep. in New York and busted her ass and became the biggest pop star in the world. So shout out to Lady Gaga. Will, who's I on your off your list? Death. So so off my list. Uh, you're not going to recognize the name, but her name is Sailor Sable, and she is a member of the Republican Party from Orlando, Florida, most well-known <laughs> this week for completely butchering the national anthem at the Ooh. start of the CPAC conference. I don't know if anyone's seen the video. I didn't see it, bro. It is unreal. Did she get the words like, wrong? No, no. This is just notes. This probably oh, she, she I pulled think the she, Fergie where she, she went cycled all, she through. Went no, no. Well, she cycled through like all twelve keys. Honestly, if you compare this to Fergie, you know, Fergie's probably like no one can butcher the national anthem as as bad as me. And then you know, this girl is like, hold my white claw. Like here we go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yo, you know how hard it has to be to like be at that conference of all things and fuck the national anthem up. Like that's got to be the shittiest it's a bad look. Time. It's a bad it look. Was pretty. Yeah, I mean, honestly, pretty un-American if you ask me. <laughs> no, no, but but like, it's it, when when you get to the point where when you Google CPAC national anthem and there are more parodies that show up than the real oh, thing. Oh yeah, that's the when you has know. got you, dude. You might just need to go into like hiding. Yeah, she point. has to go away for a while. Social media, like going. Yeah. I'm sure she's Actually, got enough money to like take a vacation. She needs to just yeah, just get go out. away for a while. You don't want to fuck the national anthem up at the like national conservative convention. That's gonna be real on the way out. For the music nerds out there, though, however, she did end the song in the same key that she started the song in well, there which i thought was the craziest part about the whole thing but so, you know so she started players C, went on an adventure and came back and ended on c keyboard players around the country are having a field day with this cuz like like playing to it cuz it was done completely uh, a cappella oh god yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, i need to look that i'm going to link that on the Instagram i have, yeah i have not seen it yet i have to see uh, it I'm 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 gonna just take your word for it because I'm sure it's so, so cringeworthy. Like you'll just be able to grab the embarrassment out of the air. Well, who was the worst national anthem of all time? Carl Lewis probably has the worst national anthem of all time. Jimi Hendrix is bad. Yo, get the fuck out of here! I'll, I'll come to there's the probably some. There's probably some small market like NBA there was one at a hockey had... game years ago, and this is like I legit feel bad for. Her. So she she's singing the national anthem. I don't know if you guys are hockey fans or not, but they roll out like a little red carpet because you're on ice yeah. and you can eat shit. And she's singing the national anthem, and she butchers the words, and she choked really bad. She goes, "Sorry," and then she like took a breather, was gonna come back out. And as she came back out, she just completely slipped and went like head over heels on oh, the ice. Oh yeah, she busted her ass. I saw you know that. what I'm talking about? Oh, that's oh, yeah. terrible. It's, it's it, I feel awful because like I mean, that's something I'm sure she had wanted to do Dreamed forever, of. like seeing the national yeah, exactly. anthem at a professional sporting event. Totally. It might have been like college hockey or something. I don't even know, but um, and this happened. I don't. This might have been 20 years ago. This is a long time ago. But it's it's it was bad. It was Bro, really bad. I'm a firm greater believe- comebacks have been mounted. Greater comebacks exactly. have been mounted. I'm a firm believer when it comes to the national anthem, less is more. Like if I'm in that situation, don't try and go off on it. Just you know, do it and get. Fergie's off. was it was it was horrible. 
Fergie's was awesome I, because of the players who were laughing on this. On, on they the were like the court. they were trying so it, yeah. hard, dude. And you can't laugh during the national anthem because then you're a piece of shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. But they were doing a good job of like, I love the picture of Steph Curry where Steph Curry's got his head down. Yeah. And he just looks up for a second and just like cracks a smile, and puts his head back down. So I mean, right. it's a super. It's, I mean, it's a super hard song to sing. It's not honestly. easy. Yeah, like it's want... super hard. Like it's it's kind of funny. Like you know, like you know freedom and uh equality and all of this it's like well not everyone is created uh, equally to speak to be able to that sing that song no, not at all not a democratic song it hell no a that's a tough fucking song, song to slightest. sing so all right well that's a good one will uh dave who is off your list this week so this one i'm glad i get to start and so i can set the mood instead of kill it like on the list <laughs> um but apartment management company so uh, yesterday I'm taking a shower and I noticed a piece of the, I, I'm like the little square tiles around. It's not like a one solid plastic, whatever yeah. in my shower. So I noticed a piece of the grouts hanging off and I hadn't even stepped in the shower yet. So I like reached through the shower stream and I like peel it. And I, I noticed it was like loose. I push, I just went like this, just a little finger pressure and it just caved in the, oh. the, the, the tile. So, I mean, the shower works and everything, but I've emailed them, called them. I'm like, hey, like, unless you want the people below me to get like swamped with water or like rot in the wood or something like you need to send someone to fix this. And they're like, we're getting to it as fast as we can. I'm like, I mean, like, do something better. You're like, this is pretty urgent. It's it's somewhat urgent. And it's not like I live in a massive, massive complex. Like it's we have one maintenance guy and I like he's not doing anything right now. I don't see any other construction or anything going on. I shouldn't put words in his mouth, but. Um, and they're like, they just keep giving me the runaround and they sent me. So when I got ace, there's no dogs, a lot of my apartment. And I mm. only planned on living here for a year. So, um, when I moved in, I moved in in August 1st of last summer. So I've only been here five, six months or whatever. And I knew that like, if I got a dog, even without being able or allowed to get a dog, that it would take them months and months to like actually kick me out. And there's yeah. a ton of vacancies in the building anyways because of coronavirus. So, yep. so that, um, so they emailed me and they blind CC the other tenants that they said whose dog it was. And I knew that it was a fake blind CC. I'm like, yo, do you just ask me about the dog? Yeah. I registered him as a therapy dog for 80 bucks Smart. and you can't do anything. I could take him on a plane right now for free of charge because he's a therapy dog, therapy even dog. though he's the most untrained dog of all time. But um, so I'm like, yep, here's my certificate. It's signed and documented by a psychiatrist, blah, blah, blah. First of all, that's a joke because that took me two minutes to do. Um, all I did was fill out like, do you have anxiety? Yes. Do you, are you depressed? Yes. Do you like animals? Yes. It was like a five question, like, like a Scantron test basically from high school. And a psychiatrist reached out and she's like, yeah, uh, you really could use a therapy dog. Like here's a document, like all the court and like past jurors, like whatever, like court yeah, yeah, yeah. cases. So, and then I got an email this afternoon right before I hopped on saying they're raising my rent if I want to resign my lease. So I'm like, there is no, there's like empty, empty apartments across the fucking board and you want to raise my rent? Yeah, beggars can't like, be choosers in this Exactly, situation. exactly. So I'm like, no, I'll just keep my rent the same. And that was the email I sent him. Fix my fucking shower. And I don't even get to use my rooftop, which is like one of the reasons I moved in here. 
that's the biggest reason to rent a place because it has a rooftop. Yeah, like honestly, the fact that it's just as easy to obtain a legal therapy dog as it is it to find out what character minutes. you are from friends on BuzzFeed. Yeah, <laughs> five minutes. I'm, I shit you not five minutes and he was a registered therapy dog. I want to end this this segment with a story about a therapy dog that I once when I was bartending, we had somebody who was a famous superhero and I'm not going to say who it was like an actor. I think I've told you this story before, Will. Uh, but they came in to a bar in Center City, Philadelphia, where I was working, probably the worst human being I've ever met. And you got to say his name now. I can't. I can't do it because I just don't want that responsibility. Uh, Client privilege. Exactly. Uh his wife, they were, they were so stuck up that uh, his wife didn't want a dog in the restaurant because somebody who was blind had a dog there, and they kicked the blind guy out of the restaurant. They heckled what? him so much that the blind guy had to leave. Yeah, that what? was one. Of, that was one. There will come a time when this podcast is the point where I, you know, I've gotten to a point where I can't get in trouble. Where I'll drop that name. Right now, I just don't feel like having. Oh, that I take it back. Now. You got to say it now. I take it. Uh, I take it all back. Uh, they're they're a horrible person for doing. They're, that. Yeah, so fuck them. Fuck them. <sighs> I oh don't, my gosh! I'll Put just the blame say, on me. He was, a, he was a DC superhero, and he was on TV, and that's all I'll say. I'll tell you guys after, and that's where I'll leave it. We'll get it. We'll get into it later. Either way, fuck that shit. Let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, Dave, I'll let you start, then Will, and then me. So I feel like these guys have kind of the the Nickelback stigma about them. Ooh. Like they always get the oh they suck, they suck. Like how could you listen to that shit? And I think they're awesome. And I'm I'm very curious to see what you guys think about him. So I'm back in the gym because it's Monday. I'm sure I won't go until next Monday again. Let's go. But uh, new week, new me as it goes or whatever. I'm losing all this fucking fat. Um, make you a I, mean, rock star, I think it's awesome running music, but I think it's good music in general. I It's my favorite album. Uh, one of my favorite albums forever. Blurry Face. Uh, by 21 Pilots. I, I love 21 Pilots. I love 21 Pilots. And, and they're Firefly guys, too. They hate Coachella. Yeah, no, I like I like Twenty One Pilots. You're you're amongst fans here. I'm a little wishy washy. I'm a little wishy washy on them. I think that th- when they first came out, you know, like uh, around here in Philly, it's it's uh, all one hundred four five. All one hundred four five. Yeah, one hundred four five back then. Yeah, new name. But I think that they definitely had a very like unique sound to start mm-hmm. out. I think it has since gotten a little tired for me. Um, yeah, I get that, but. I will. I definitely will not like completely bag on him. So that, that record you're talking totally cool. about, Fine by Face me. is awesome. Especially With, workout music for oh, working yeah. out too. I, well, I heavy dirty soul against that. Absolutely. Heavy dirty soul mm-hmm. is a fucking jam to run to and lift weights to. That's a good record. I like that record a lot. Uh, I like the it's uh, the judge. He's just oh, on yeah. the ukulele. Yeah, no, you're you're it, amongst it's friends really here. slow. I I love Twenty One Pilots. I and but people they have the Nickelback cheat treatment where it's like embarrassing. A little, a little bit, a little bit. I do like Nickelback too, though. I'll take that to the grave. They got. Some I do, I do wonder why they're so hated. I don't like go out of my way to listen to Nickelback, but like, if fucking remind me comes on at like a bar and it's like it's 3 an awesome fucking three a.m. bar song. There's a lot more bands that I have. Made it as a wise man. (laughs) All right, so we picked out Dave's song. We're having to play live with us next year is Nickelback. That would be fucking outstanding. But, like, there's a lot of bands that I hate more than Nickelback. And we're going to do a segment one time with our most hated bands. We'll do that as a Green Room Picks one time. But, Dave, you're okay with 21. I'll tell you one of mine right now is Green Day. I fucking hate Green Day. I love Green Day. I'm a huge Green Day fan. I hate Green Day. This will be such a good contentious pick. But All right, Will, what have you been listening to? 
All right. So for, yeah, I've been listening to, I'll say this is actually not even a record. It is a recent live performance that came out via uh, NPR Tiny Disc. Um, but this is, I mean, this guy, if you're a fan of gospel music, it's like the name. Are Kirk you saying Franklin. Kirk Franklin? Let's Kirk go. Franklin's Tiny Desk concert came out this week and it is, has to be one of the best musical moments of quarantine, of quarantine. He's fucking awesome. bar none. I've never like, heard of him and I'm going to throw oh. it on as soon as we stop recording. So hold on real quick for Kirk Franklin for beginners. You might know him because if you ever heard ultra light beam by Kanye West with yes, yes. on it, yep. he's the guy at the end of the song. Who's just talking. Okay. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So that's Kirk Franklin, but well, how many songs did he do? Cause I saw they did. I haven't watched it yet. I want to I think they did four. They um they started out uh with one off their one off off of Kirk's most recent album, but they they did a lot of them and it just like obviously he's got the background singers. Honestly, I mean he's the type of guy who's like he's the hype he's the hype man. Oh, yeah, he, he's he the fucking hype man. Um, in this one he's playing the piano. He's you know calling out lyrics. He's just like the ultimate uh you know energy person ever. And then like. The the actually the rhythm section behind him is just drums, bass, and keys. Did uh, he have background singers? Uh yes, that yeah, is the majority, to. and and that is what it creates the craziest moments of the whole concert. Is just like all of the the harmonies and the the energy, and the, I don't know. It's it's wild. It's it's really incredible. Dude, Tiny Desk never fails. Tiny Desk never nope. fails. Never fails. Uh, that's a great pick, Will. Uh, my first one is a, I mean, this is a fucking pick I pulled out of thin air. I haven't listened to this band in forever, and I listened to him yesterday. Los Lobos, a uh, l- little bit of That's Latin a fucking blues, throwback. A little bit of Latin blues. Why not? Uh, David Hildago on guitar. Uh, I was watching the Crossroads Festival. It's Eric Clapton's festival for recovery. Uh, they do it like every couple of years, and he. I was watching the 2004 performance that David Hildago did solo of the song The Neighborhood which is just this fucking unbelievable jam. And they had Donald Duck Dunn, uh, Booker T, and the MGs playing bass. Will, you might know Donald Duck Dunn. What a fucking incredible performance. And just shout out to Los Lobos for being full-on authentic originals and doing something that not many people have been able to do is capture that type of music with that type of flavor. And it's just fucking outstanding. Shouts out to Los Lobos. Shouts out to the neighborhood. Uh, Dave, your second song. Um, I fucked this up every single week. So whenever I, I mean, I, I, I did go through a, you just mentioned him. I did go through a Clapton bin show, a little bit of a Ooh. cross promo. I was on the dozen last week and I'm typically pretty good at the music trivia. Yeah. Um, whenever it's, so it's not really trivia is say, take all the, it's just instrumental. And it's like, name this tune. Right. And it was Eric Clapton, um, uh, teardrops in heaven. I knew it Ooh. immediately. And I'm like, I haven't had a Eric Clapton binge in a while. And Eric Clapton, I mean, one of the fucking, he's one of the goats. And then yep. I went down a little Yardbirds binge. There you go. Um, so Eric Clapton, I, I, I mean, what more can you say about him? No, I mean, I grew up, my dad's the biggest Clapton fan in the world. That's whose style I like learned when I was a kid. And like Clapton is, I don't know, like he's someone who, fucking redefined what it meant to be a guitar god there was literally people in london who used to write clapton is god on fucking walls and spray paint like i mean he's influenced so many fucking guitar players and made so many people pick up a stratocaster so i'm on that side so dave fucking fantastic he, he should have been jimmy page he should have been the lead guitarist mm. for for zeppelin 
I'm glad that he wasn't because Jimmy Page did what he had to do with Zeppelin. So I'll take that. I, I mean, it, it worked out well for both parties. So yeah, exactly. Uh, Will, what's your second pick? So my second pick uh, is, I mean, it's a household name. It's Ariana Grande, but it's a specific Ooh. song that, that I mean, I, Colin, I showed you this. You song showed earlier. me that. Yeah. It, I don't know why I haven't heard of this song, but it's just, so, so it's smack dab in the middle of Ariana's latest album positions. And it's just called my hair. Yep. And it is this dirtiest, like funky soul, like groove, just slow. And just, I don't know. It just like caught me way off guard. Cause it's very much different than a lot of the, like the, the pop sound that yeah. Ariana is, is famous for and has just like the guitar in there. And then like, Honestly, the last quarter of the song is is a one long like uh, Ariana sings like these crazy high they call them whistle tones yeah and it's just a crazy like solo she's basically just singing all over this ridiculously uh, like hip chord progression and she's just it it was crazy it just caught me way off guard especially uh, for an Ariana song I've never been a big fan of hers. Uh, I've always respected the shit out of her talent because few humans are ever graced with that voice. But when her she vocal came, ability is is insane, it's un- 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 the reason I think I'm like not a huge fan is because it's all my wife plays in our house. So I think I'm just burnt on it. Like it's like you hear the same thing over and over and over again. I don't want to hear it anymore. You sent me that, and I have to think Thundercat had something to do with that because I know her and Thundercat are close friends. So I want to know whether or not he put his fingerprints on the instrumental, but her vocal on that fucking track is ungodly. It's unbelievable, dude. So, all right, well, that, that pocket. Yeah, that's a fucking sick mix. And it's funny because my, my second pick that I've been listening to is kind of exactly on the opposite end of the spectrum. My second pick was Father John Misty. I'm a huge fucking fan. I brought this up uh, like two weeks ago about Father John Misty. Um, I picked the song Just Dumb Enough to Try from his most recent album. It's got a lot, like, a lot of shades of Elton John. Like Ooh. a lot of shades of Elton John Pace songwriting. And but he has this gift of being able to write things that are just nonsensical and weird and off the fucking wall and put it into this beautiful format that I'm I I I, I cannot get enough of him right now. He's probably my most listened to artist in the past month. So shouts out Father John Misty. Shouts out to everybody in that section because that what the fuck we've been listening to is fucking excellent. We're hitting our stride, boys. We're really getting there. Um, so those are our early segments. We're gonna go into our interview now with Corey Wong. When we come back, we are going into our green room picks. So stick around. We also have our, our pick of the week, Katie Feeney, a.k.a. Roberta Faceplant from You Do You. Let's head into our interview with Corey Wong. Yeah! How you feeling? Yeah! You feel all right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have guitarist, musician, songwriter, podcaster. Uh, we have Corey Wong on the podcast today. Corey, thank you so much for being here today, dude. With everything I just listed that you have going on and everybody else in Volpec has so much going on as well. Would it be wrong to consider Volpec like kind of a modern Wu-Tang in a certain perspective? <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I don't know enough of the history, <laughs> but I think maybe in a certain sense, you could, you could consider some parallels and especially with some of the, the, the music biz shenanigans that Jack likes to get into. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking about the Wu-Tang album where they just made one copy of What's-His-Face. Martin Pharmaceuti- Yeah, pharmaceutical <laughs> guy bought it. And now it's just yeah. 
It's like, yeah, it's being held up by the government or something, right? It's being held hostage. That whole album's being held hostage. I never thought we'd be a minute and 20 seconds in and go right into Martin Screlly. Yeah. This Ooh, is sick. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with that guy? He's I in think jail, he I think. recently, right? Did he? I want to say he did, yeah. I could be wrong there, but I don't know. But he's a world-class douchebag. Yeah. Now, to answer a little more of the parallel of Wu-Tang, I, I, I would be curious what people think who's who. That's what I was going to get into. But I, again, I don't quite know enough. Right. Like, I think, I think maybe Theo would be the ODB. Yeah, I could see that. Um, <laughs> I think. Now, who was the leader? Who, who tech there was there technically it was it RZA? RZA was, RZA was the kind leader? of the mastermind of the whole thing. He so was, that would have to be Jack, right? Right. Is Jack also who, into Kung Fu movies? Yeah, that's a question. Um, probably enough, you know. I could see it. I see you as kind of the method man of the group. I could see that. Maybe a little more of like the, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I definitely see that. So I think the other thing is who's, who's got the most technical mastery in the Wu-Tang Clan? Let's start there. That's, that's a question. Because I'm, I'm not familiar. Ray, Raekwon's probably the best rapper. Okay, so that would be Dart. Yeah, I was going to say that makes a lot of sense to me. So that would be Dart. I'll probably, I'd probably take Method. Um, yeah, I think, and then I don't know enough about the others, but I think that's my gut. And it would be questions like that. Who's the most technically proficient? That would be the Dart. Who's got like the most interesting, or who's got the most quirky songwriting? That would maybe be the Woody. Mm. Who has got the, whoever has the most, like as soon as you hear them, it just like touches you emotionally. That would be the Antoine. Um, Joey is more of the, he, well, he, you know, because he plays sax, keys, sings, plays so many different things. And he's kind of a, a, a wonderful balladeer as well. Although that's not like his main thing. Mm. So that would be like, who, who is the biggest swooner? That would maybe be the Joey. And then you could take these, these exact questions and these exact lot, this exact line of thinking is how I would apply this question to who, which Backstreet Boy is everybody, exactly. which, you know, which Beetle, which, which Ninja Turtle, however you want to do it. Question. That's, you know, but then, but then it's like, there's, I don't know. There, there's too many. It's if, if it's not a one-to-one -one ratio, as far as, people then it's then I mean, there's it's tough. so there's so many of you and there's so many of them and there's been so many all shoots and so much success individually it just makes too much sense to compare and Corey, I, I like that i've actually never heard that but i, I like that comparison yeah I, that's a fucking great way to start uh Corey, like dude thank you again for being on man what's the past year been like for you well it's been a lot less touring than i expected but a lot more writing and recording and mm. that's been cool so I've been able to explore creatively a bunch of different avenues that I haven't been able to explore in past years, or, or maybe even things that I just wouldn't have. You know, like I've, I've got folders of voice memos and videos in my phone of different styles of things that I've been writing or little ideas that I have for specific types of projects. And, you know, one of those being like an acoustic album, which I never really explored, but now just had the time and energy to do so and was kind of in that creative and, and mental space. So it allowed me 
the last year allowed me to, to be able to explore that, get through that and also not have. So typically when I release an album and pretty much anybody nowadays, it, you go in an album cycle, you write the album, you record the album, you release the album to promote it. And then you tour to kind of support that album. And then you start over again. Mm -hmm. So there's somewhat of an expectation in that, in the typical music industry. And for me, this last year allowed me to do projects without any other expectations attached to it. And that was pretty cool because it allowed me just to make whatever I wanted. Mm. And I gave myself a certain creative freedom to, to just put those things out. And even though maybe my managers or other people said, well, why don't you just give a little more of a slow drip? So that way, you know, you, you max, you, the, the albums are out for longer or whatever, but to me, it felt more honest to just put out the music when I was making it, because that's the creative and mental space that I was in. And I really enjoyed the time. I really enjoyed being able to make that music. Now, so, I mean, everything, the whole world went to shit about a year ago with a uh, coronavirus and everything. Now with Wong Notes and um, in your variety show that you're doing on YouTube and everything, was that all planned out? Or is that just something that you had to kind of transition to because of the pandemic and, and because of the change in everybody's, you know, in the lives that uh, for music fans and music, musicians in general? Uh, let me start by the distraction that I had, which is I can't tell whether you're from Chicago or <laughs> Philly. I am. I'm Chicago. I, 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 I hear Chicago and Philly in your voice. I, I've been to Philly one time for two days and it was like two months ago, but I'm from Chicago. I'm from Philly. Okay. I'm born bred Midwest. <laughs> all right. See now I, so I got it all figured out with you guys. Okay. I got, yeah. Wow. The, you nailed okay. it right there. <laughs> you did. So to answer, to answer your question, both of those things were planned. Okay. So my, my very first episode of the podcast was recorded in February, the interview with Satriani. And then I was planning on doing a lot of the interviews in person when I was on the road, but I ended up doing them all remotely. And so, so the podcast was set to go. My variety show, we were planning on recording in April. So I had already had literally all of the music written, all of the arrangements together, most of the episodes set to go before the pandemic hit. Wow. But then it was, okay. And, and honestly, that was the one album I planned on recording this last year. That was, that was like, this is going to be my big release of the year. I'm going to record it in April and put it out in September and then go tour that thing or whatever. Obviously that changed. So April, we were planning on recording it. It got moved to May, got moved to June, got moved to July. Finally, what was happening is things like the NBA and some of the other TV networks were starting to form these little bubbles with lots of testing and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Found out to be successful as far as not having some sort of super spreader event. So we just mimicked that. We decided in August, let's go for it. So we recorded all eight episodes and the 11 song album in five days. Wow. And we just recorded the songs on set. I mean, that's how I planned on doing it anyways, but we recorded the songs on the TV set, made the show and the album simultaneously. And then I had some more months to edit all the videos and the, we, you know, like we edited the videos, the audio I mixed, or, you know, we, we did the editing and mixing on that, which honestly wasn't really any editing. It was just mixing on the audio and 
syncing it all up. And now it just came out in February. So I'm stoked about it. It's unbelievable. And it's been one, me and Will have had this conversation because we're both big fans. It's been amazing to see the way that you've pivoted and the way that you've yeah. improvised and, and grown during the pandemic. But as someone who appreciates collaboration as much as you do, has it been more difficult to get that done? Or have you been doing more things virtually with people? Or are you still being able in your bubble situation to get with people and, and work on music? So that's the one particular project where that worked out that way. In a normal album, so that one, the collaborators I plan on working with, we just all made it happen. Mm -hmm. And the guests for that, so there's an 11 piece band and then right. there was two special guests, Antoine Stanley and Cody Fry. They sure. came in for that. They were planned to do it in April. They came in and did it in August, great. Uh, as far as my other stuff and as far as collaborations in general, it's typically, a lot harder, honestly, to get collaborations to happen because everybody's busy. This person's touring at this time and this person's touring at this time. And like, yeah, I'm gonna be in the UK and then I'll be back in the States. But when they're in the States, I'm gonna be in Italy or whatever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times collaboration is hard to do because most of the time artists like myself are on the road 100, 150, sometimes 200 days a year. Yeah. I try to limit, I try to cap it at 150, but a lot of people, like I, I have friends that are on the road 250 days a year. It's insane. So as far as the collaboration thing goes, most people are hanging out at home. And by now, a year into this thing, pretty much everybody has some sort of remote recording setup yep. mm -hmm. or some sort of home recording thing, right? Or pretty easy access to a place that does. Right. So right now and this past year has actually been a lot easier to get the collaborations to happen because a lot of people have a little more time but right. it doesn't mean that i mean this is the, the funny thing is that some people think just because they're not doing anything well this person must be doing nothing also yeah. it's like a lot of people are staying really busy oh yeah but it is a lot easier to just slide in hey i have this project i'd love to collaborate with you on it my due date is two months from now here's the file just get to it sometime in the next two months. That's a lot easier to make happen right now than, hey, I'm going to be on tour for a month and a half, and then I'm going to be back, but you're going to go out on tour, but there's two days that overlap, but I'm going to be recovering from my last tour because I'm going to be, whatever, jet lagged and yep. tired, and you're going to be doing rehearsals for your other tour. So sometimes you can make that happen, and a lot of times it just does line up, and you figure out a, a, a date five months from whenever you discuss to make it happen but i don't know it's there's a lot of different ways but right now it actually seems to be easier have you enjoyed this period of time at all it, not not to say that you don't enjoy touring but the fact of the matter being in one place or being able to work on creation rather than having to tour all the time has it been nice to be able to lock down and and figure out what it is you want to get on record the Good thing about it is that I've had a lot of time to, and I have a lot of focus time in one place to sit down and really hone the ideas. The hard part is that I don't have the other people around to bounce those ideas off. Mm -hmm. of. And if I'm always just bouncing my own creative ideas off of myself, then I get in this feedback loop. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's a good thing. Occasionally it's a good thing, but most of the time, I, you know, it's just my own ideas and my own instincts where mm. sometimes if I'm collaborating with somebody, their initial instinct on one thing will all of a sudden spark this completely new, it opens up a Pandora's box of this, this new 
avenue of creativity or creative mm -hmm. place to go that I would have never thought of, or maybe it'd taken me months to get there. The same thing goes with playing live and playing in a room. You just get the different interaction thing that you, you can't mimic by yourself. Right. We had, we had talked to Chris Shiflett about this from the Food Fighters in our first interview yeah. we had, where I was saying to Chris, I've had a hard time as a songwriter and a musician trying to stay inspired and create while being in one place for so long. Like as someone who likes to tour and I, I write out of yeah. Nashville and LA, I, I enjoy being in different circumstances because I feel like it helps me spark things. Like if you noticed uh, uh, almost like dry spots throughout the year of not being able to get anything out because you've been in one place for so long. I find myself going down that road, but what I tend to do is as soon as I feel myself getting there, I'll find a way out of it. Right. I'll, 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 I'll see some sort of red flag. Oh, this is about to happen. And I'll, you know, sometimes it can be solved literally by just going for a walk right? and paying attention to different things. Okay. This time when I go for a walk, I'm just going to listen to the sounds around me. I'm going to listen for something new that I haven't heard walking around this neighborhood. I'm going to walk around and see, I'm going to pay attention to just the color palettes of the houses around mm. and kind of take note on, you know, or the era that I think things have been built or when something's been remodeled. And then I just start paying attention to different things. And it, it seems like such a stupid thing to, or it seems like a mundane thing to do, but what it does is it gets my brain to start to look at different things. Yep. And then as soon as my, I can get my brain to start thinking about things in a different way, then it allows my creativity to do the same thing. So that's one example. The other would be, sometimes I'll just hit up my friends and say, hey, here's this voice memo of this idea. Where do you hear this going? Or do you mm -hmm. want to help me finish this? And they'll all of a sudden send me something back. And that gets me going down a new direction. So mm -hmm. I actually, about six months ago, just started doing a lot of Zoom writing sessions mm -hmm. or email writing sessions. Like one of my favorite guitar players in the world is Rob Harris from Jamiroquai. Oh, and yeah. He's insane. And he's also an amazing songwriter. And we're good friends. And we've talked about doing stuff together for a few years now. And finally, I was like, hey, I'm working on doing a bunch of writing. Do you have any ideas that you're just sitting on and you don't know how to finish that you think would be good for me? Or do you have any ideas that you... And, and I'll do the same. I'll send him stuff. And then we'll just go back and forth and we'll, we'll do that. I, I have other friends, Ariel Posen, guitar player. We've done a bunch of writing sessions that way. And Mark Lettieri and I have done that. And just having, having a bunch of different Dropbox folders, yep. of collaborative Dropbox folders, where I can help other people with their projects, they can help me with mine. And what that does is it kind of creates a creative community or it mimics a creative community. I guess not even mimics. It is. It, it is, is a creative, yeah. creative community. Yeah, for sure. But it's just a digital version of that. Uh, you can you can ask Will when you said Dropbox folders, <laughs> our Dropbox is a fucking mess because we have like ninety different Dropbox folders going at one time. I think yeah. it is. It's been it was interesting to me to see how quickly people adapted in the music industry and in the creative fields to to switching to virtual. And I think we all yeah. did a pretty damn good job, but I don't know if anybody's done as good a job as you because I've always been amazed at how much content you can put out, how consistently you do it, and how good it all is. And, and when, when you look at either the podcast or Corey and the Wong Notes, when you saw what you did and you got it back, did you instantly kind of have an idea that like, wow, I did something fucking special here? Or did you wait for the response back and be like, 
holy shit, I have something here. Because I've never seen anybody in this in this time period do a fucking full variety show. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, I had the concept for it. I had the idea for 10 years. But wow. I just didn't have, I didn't have quite the real vision for it until maybe a, a year and a half ago is when I started working on it. Like really working on it. Mm. And I, I knew the idea and the, the concept wrong. And I knew that every time I some of my friends, they got really excited. About, oh my gosh, yeah. Amazing. Well, what if you did this? What if you did blah, blah, blah. So I knew by the response of many of my friends that the concept wrong and the idea of SNL meets the late show, but taken over by the musicians. Right. And that to me feels like a fun concept. That feels to me like something I would want to watch. Mm. And that's normal. If it's, I, I want to make music and videos that I think are winning. And then whether anybody else, that that's the case, whatever. I did a really good job. I feel like I learned when I do season. Now I also know, oh, okay, here's some things I might change. Here's some other, you know, like anything you do after you do it a couple times, you get some reps in to know how you can adapt it to maybe make it better or something. If you're paying attention, now, if you're listening to feedback. Now, with, you said you did have special guests. For the second season of Corey and the Wong Notes, are there any guests that you would absolutely like die to have on for the second season? John Mayer would be awesome. I, I, that, that was the name that was on the tip of my tongue because I feel like it would be right up the same alley. I feel like you guys have a similar yeah. sense of humor. Yeah, Janelle Monet would be cool. Um, Emily King nice, is yeah. amazing. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of her. She, I listen to her music all the time. And she is a friend. But she's very busy, so she would be awesome to have on. Um, somebody like Brad Meldow would be awesome. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I could just go straight for the top and say Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder, you know. But you know, I yeah, I guess I could. There, well, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll just go right up there. Yeah. We were looking at your list of people we've had on the podcast and seeing someone like Jacob Collier or Steve Jordan or, or like Tom Mish. I would love to see guys like that on there as well. But like yeah. Tedeschi coming on to sing would be fucking unbelievable. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. She's so good. She's so unbelievable. That was one of me and Dave because da- the, the backstory of this podcast is I'm a musician. Dave works for Barstool Sports. So we're teaching Dave how to be a rock star is part okay. of what this is. And Susan Tedeschi and the Tedeschi Trucks Band was one of the things that bonded us. Mm. And I yeah. guess I guess the way I want to end this conversation is, what advice would you give to Dave as somebody who is becoming a musician or attempting to become a rock star in his own right going into it now? Because I feel like you have such a, a strong sense of self and, and a strong identity. And what advice would you give Dave? Well, what is – first off, Dave, what do you play? He's kind of playing guitar. he's learning to play the guitar yeah i'm learning to play guitar sorry my internet cut out there for a split second but um i'm learning guitar i can play a couple of chords right now um (laughs) i am learning a uh a rolling stone song a couple foo fighter songs as we speak but um the answer is i don't play a single thing (laughs) okay so i think first off spend some time getting the craft down Okay, so anybody who's just getting started, obviously, the thing is just find a way to get hooked. So 
don't worry about reading music. Don't worry about learning all the technical exercises. Right out of the gate, just get yourself hooked. And I say this for anybody, oh, I want my kid to play music. The most important thing right out of the gate, get hooked. Mm. Find something that just makes it so you absolutely love it. And if that means playing Foo Fighters songs, playing right. Chili Pepper songs, Rolling Stones songs, whatever it is, just find a way to get hooked and learn to play those. And you're gonna in inherently learn some technique when you're learning those songs. So right out of the gate, I would say just practice, find a bunch of tunes that are really fun for you to play. Keep it fun, because that's what it should be about. Of course. And then once you're a little bit hooked and you're finding barriers, practice some technique to get that, that down. Practice the actual craft of playing the guitar. But then as far as most people who know how to play, and they want to get more recognition or they want to get, get a career going or find some sort of notoriety. I think the thing that you have to do is figure out what's most magnetic about you. And that I think is the main reason why plenty of guitar players who are incredible that can play circles around many other popular guitar players why they're not known is because they haven't found an identity in their playing. There's no real reason for anybody to pay attention to them as an individual, because there are thousands of guitar players who can play incredibly fast, who can play blistering speeds and play really cool things. But are they really saying anything with their playing? Is there anything really unique about them? And I think that's what's most important as somebody who's trying to find a career find notoriety in what they're doing. I know I'm not the greatest, the fastest guitar player in the world, but I have a unique voice and I have something where if you hear me on a record, you'll know that it's me for right. better or worse. And, and I can turn that off. I can make it so I can change the way that I play. So it's more um, elusive on who it is or whatever, just so it kind of fits in the mold. But if, if I want you to know that it's me when I'm playing, I know exactly how to do that. How, how young were you when you realized your own voicing? Like when you realized that you had a Corey Wong sound or a Corey Wong feel? Oh, I think it's after I turned 30. Oh, so really? I, totally. And this is the funny thing is that so many people in college are like, oh, I haven't found my voice. I have no idea. It's like, yeah, neither did I for a lot of years. <laughs> and I think part of it was I wasn't really looking in the right place. I was trying to find my identity in sounding like pat metheny everybody sounding else's like identity prince yeah, yeah 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 and not necessarily finding my own unique thing now would i change that path would i go back and tell myself to find that at age 22 i don't know because part of what has defined my sound now is the fact that i spent so much time trying to mimic pat metheny trying mm -hmm. to mimic john schofield mm -hmm. or prince or John Frusciante, whatever, mm -hmm. James Valentine, all these, all these, or Rob Harris from Jameerfoot, all mm -hmm. these people that I really looked up to and really studied what they do informed my decisions on how to find my own voice and picking different things from these different people. So I think that's the main thing, but for some people, it takes a long time. You know, there's artists that find their, the very magnetic and potent voice when they're 16 or when they're right. 25 for me, it didn't happen until I was, I don't know, 31. I think, I think I'm kind of coming to that point in my life now where like, I'm starting to see that the entire journey leading up to this point was necessary to get to where we're going now. 
And it's totally. kind of in that way that you're saying, like, I had to try and mimic all these different people in order to find who out, I, like, who I was is really interesting to say. And I, I think before we, before we do get off, you brought somebody up in that that process of your musicians. You brought up Prince. Every time somebody talks about your hometown, they talk about Prince. Who are some musicians that are from Minneapolis that you would also say, this is who you should check out as well? Sonny T. That's the main one. Ooh. Sonny T is, to me, the original source of the Minneapolis sound. And Sonny was Prince's guitar teacher. And Sonny was one of the guys that, back in that day, you know, the uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, mm. they had stuff going on. Prince had his thing, the Morris Day in the Time thing. And Sonny had, had this band. I, I'm forgetting what the name of it was. But Sonny was kind of the god, like, he was not the godfather. He was the captain of that whole scene and he was the one that everybody was looking up to and he's he's insane but even even with that like i don't think everybody who knows who on the peripheral like who gets prince in the minneapolis sound also knows morris day in the time i mean you do an ounce of digging you'll find right. morris day in the time a lot of the uh, jimmy jam and terry lewis stuff mm -hmm. and yeah, so there's there's a lot of that sort of thing. Um, another band out of Minneapolis that's amazing is Mint Condition. Hmm. Not a lot of people that associate Minneapolis maybe associate Mint Condition with it, but um, Stokely Williams, who has a solo career now as Stokely, hmm. is incredible. And that would be that would be my main thing: Sunny T and Mint Condition slash Stokely. I saw when uh, when I was like doing background checks on you and I'll get to the to the like stupid, irrelevant questions later. But one of the guitars that you looked up to as a musician was David Williams. Did I freak you out a little bit when you saw my name on here? <laughs> Do you think I came back from the dead? <laughs> I I knew that it wasn't the Dave Williams that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do also know that the, the first name Dave is quite common. And the surname William is also quite <laughs> common. So I didn't think that it was out of the question for there to be another Dave Williams to exist. No, not at all. I got the most boring name in American history. It's like, it's got to be a top 10 most common name probably. So, so well, yeah. I, my name is Wong. I, my last name is more popular in the world or more common in the world That's than true. Williams. That it's, is it's, true. Yeah, absolutely. As far as, as if we're just talking numbers, we're yeah. talking numbers. <laughs> Just raw yeah. data. Just, Just raw, raw data. data. I like yeah. how Dave was worried that he was going to scare Corey because he thought that Dave Williams came back from the dead to email him. <laughs> what? Like, imagine, imagine every John Doe like looking yeah. at a sample subpoena just being like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What is it? Well, I know Dave's other question had to do with, with uh, the Minnesota Twins and Minnesota sports in general. Yeah, who you got, Twins or White, White Sox this summer? Well, I got to go with the Twins. There you go. Yeah, they got Nelly Cruz back. I think it's going to yeah. be a good race, though. The Twins are always pesky, man. They're always pesky. In, in Chicago, we call them the Piranhas. The they're Piranhas? Just, they're just constantly just, just yeah. eating people alive, and you don't know why or how it happened, but all of a sudden, they have 100 wins, and they're awesome. You know? And I mean, yeah, that's but then, they, but then they don't pull through. See, I was at one of the World Series games in 91 wow. at the Metrodome. Wait, hold on a second. Hey, Dad. Which World Series game did we go to in 91? My dad doesn't remember. Neither do I. <laughs> well, shouts out to Kirby Puckett. Was, yeah, yeah, that was Puckett. 
it wasn't it wasn't game six. I think it was game four, game three or four. We I was at I was at one of the one of the World Series games. That was fun. That was a fun era. I liked the 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 Mauer Morneau. Oh yeah, era was fun. I hated those teams, but I had the utmost respect for them. Johan Santana. Yeah, Johan. Um, oh yeah, Nick Blackburn a little bit. Um, I mean, Mauer Mauer hit like three eighty one year. More no one MVP and then came second in another year. Was those Brian teams, Dozier yeah, to second so baseman? Oh, good. Brian Dozier. Dozier, yeah, teams. Dozier was on the team then. Those yeah. teams were. So I think good. Torrey Hunter was on the team at the oh, time yeah. as well. Oh yeah, oh, of course Hunter. Torrey Hunter. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They were the um, We just we hated those teams. Loathed them in Chicago. At least half. But of on paper, on paper, that team should have been the one to win. No, I know. Not yeah. like yeah. Puckett Knobloch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck Knobloch, dude, what a way to start the day. We're going to do Chuck Knobloch and Kirby Puckett and Brian Dozier. This is what I'm talking about, man. Kirby Puckett, so Chicago I, guy. Yeah, mid-90s, the NBA All-Star game was in Minneapolis. Mm. And, the you know, there was some big party. You know, like they they they, they host some big party week yeah. of the NBA All-Star game. You can I – don't, I don't know how – or why we were at this, um, it, it was like a public event, right? Like you oh, had to okay. buy yeah. tickets or, or maybe it was some corporate thing that my dad worked for IBM. Maybe IBM had some tickets to something or whatever. I don't know. But we were at this event and there was all these NBA players there for the all-star game and people are walking around, hey, high five, you know, kind of loose meet and greet, public meet yep. and greet. Everybody's going up to all the NBA all-stars. Of course, you notice them because they're freaking six, seven, yeah, seven foot one. You dudes. know, talking Dikembe Motombo, Shaq. <laughs> I you met Dikembe Motombo last. It was last. It was the. It was about a year ago because the NBA All Star Game was in Chicago last year, and it was at the end of February, right before everything shut down, so everything was normal. And we went and did for for my real job. Uh, we did a meet and greet. I'm only five seven. And I was, I took a picture next to Dikembe Mutombo and I put his, he was wearing like a pea coat. It had to been custom made. And the thing was yeah. literally flopping around my ankles and oh, like, I, like I shook his hand. I couldn't even like, I couldn't squeeze it. It was just like straight up and down. His hands were so big. But at this event where I met Mutombo, Chuck Knobloch was walking around and nobody recognized him. <laughs> All anybody's looking for is NBA players. So Chuck Knobloch's walking around because he was playing for the twins at the time yeah. the things happening. Also I walk up, I'm like, Hey, are you Chuck Knobloch? <laughs> and I'm, I was probably 12, you know, or maybe no, I was, I was 10. I must've been 10 years old. And he's like, Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> he's like, he was, thank he was God totally somebody cool. noticed me. <laughs> no, he was, I think he was just, you know, hanging out, wanting to meet the NBA players as well. So, um, I'm just glad that I spotted him. Anyways, go I, I had to get some Knobloch in there. No, shout out Chuck Knobloch, man. Awesome career. Yeah. Just unfortunately got, got the, the yips, yips man. Bit. He got the yips. Yeah. Has there been any musician that you've ever met or shared a stage with that you were absolutely starstruck? Like you like couldn't get the words out. Like this is just like the like one of the people I've been always wanting to meet. Mm. Um, no. <laughs> but I have met some really amazing people. I, I know at the end of the day that people are human beings and they're mm-hmm. living in their own version of a different reality than everybody. As far as the closest thing to that, 
I'm trying to think of, I mean, maybe meeting some of the guys from the Rolling Stones and playing with um, the Rolling Stones. It's it's early for me. Why am I blanking on it? The the Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts. Uh, yeah, Charlie. That was pretty fun. Uh, backstage at this little jazz club. He came and sat in with the band. No, I think that there is a thing, though, when you're a musician, like, you don't get that starstruck. But, like, for me, I know if I ever bumped or shared a stage with, with Bruce Springsteen, I'd lose my mind. There's a lot of people that I've met and played shows with that I haven't, like, hit that point of being starstruck. Like, for you, is would it be, like, Stevie Wonder or someone like that that you would, like, you have such a deep reverence for? I don't know. I've just never had that feeling. I mean, I there's plenty of people that I've met that I've had deep reverence for and plenty of, like, A-list stars that, that I've seen or met, it, whether from playing on the Late Show with Colbert mm-hmm. or like playing with Gene Simmons, like it was just fun to meet him. He was just cool, right. like you know, or meeting Katy Perry, like she was fine. Like That's you could tell cool. she's a star, but it's also, I think it it also depends on the context you meet people. So mm-hmm. the majority of the times when I've met people like that, I have been part of the event that's been happening. Mm. Um, I met George W. Bush in passing at an event. That's pretty cool. Um, him and Bill Clinton were walking by and Bill like turned the other way and George walked the way that kind of I was. I was just like, oh, hey, like, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> I was like, hey, I, he was he was just really he was really and there was a bunch of Secret Service around. This is uh while obama was president though so he wasn't president at the time and neither was clinton obviously mm-hmm. um this is probably five years ago but there was this thing where um there was an eagle flying around indoors uh it's a long story but anyways <laughs> there was an eagle flying around and um <laughs> the eagle handler was next to us and this guy is obsessed with his eagle uh, okay <laughs> whatever so the eagle's name is challenger right that's the name of this eagle and george bush w bush was coming up and he was kind of talking and he walks up to the eagle guy and he's like wow that was incredible and then the eagle guy just starts rifling off conversation about challenger george w bush but i could see on bush's face because i'm i'm looking from the outside and i'm watching this thing happen Bush can't tell right now whether you're talking about Challenger, like the shit. Because yeah. <laughs> you, the Eagle guy did not give any oh, context. Man. He didn't say that the Eagle's name was Challenger. So oh, he's man. talking about Challenger flying around and Bush is tiptoeing on how to handle this conversation. But he handled <laughs> it really well. And it was, it, was, it was really funny. And then like finally the you know, Secret Service guy's like, hey, hey, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Right, eagle, that, eagle guy the hero stepping a little bit yeah, the yeah, hero yeah. the man. true that, hero that's as good a story to end on any man uh cory i can't thank you enough for being here today man this was awesome and um uh, everybody who's listening go check out wong notes check out cory in the wong notes cory puts out enough content to suffice for the rest of quarantine or whatever we have going on i can't thank you enough for being here man oh thanks for having me yeah check out the stuff you know say what's up online say what's up in person on tour when i'm Whenever that happens again. Soon enough, buddy. Yeah. All right. So that was our interview with our new friend, Corey Wong. I said it before and I'll say it again. 
he's the first person I've ever like talked to through an interview for the podcast where I left the conversation feeling like I was a shell of a man after talking to him. What There's nothing that guy about. can do that like he wouldn't excel at. That he just, I, he's just fucking incredible. And I mean, you guys go, please check out his variety show, check out his his podcast, Wong Notes. He's just the fucking man. And shout out to Will for really like introducing yeah, me to shout out Will. Like, shout out Will. Shout out Will all the time. Shout out. Thank you. Appreciate all it. All right, so let, let's go into our into our our last segment here. Let's go into green room picks. We haven't done them in a couple of weeks, but we felt like this would be a good week to do it. So it stemmed from the fact that last night on our Instagram story, I put up a a, a post. Um, the cover of the Black Crow's 1990 album, Shake Your Moneymaker, mm-hmm. which as a kid was my favorite album. I was obsessed with it. And as a kid, I always wanted to be able to sing like Chris Robinson. I thought he had the best fucking voice when I was a kid. And it made me think of what attributes would I like to take from musicians and give to myself? So if you could pick like one attribute or one skill from a specific musician and put it into yourself and take that through your career, who would you pick? And so I'm taking Chris Robinson's voice or the ability to sing like Chris Robinson off the table. But I have three really good ones. I'm going to start it, then Will, then Dave. We got three each. We'll go through that, and then we'll get into our interview with Katie Feeney. But so for my first one, I had to pick this because it has something to do with Chris Robinson and the Black Crows, but it doesn't. So their biggest hit to date is an Otis Redding song. It's hard to handle. And if I could pick any voice in the history of music, I would pick to be able to sing like Otis Redding. He was the person who who bonded me and Erica, who was the other vocalist in our band. No one could put pain or joy or fucking frustration or loneliness into their voice like Otis Redding. It's not a perfect voice by any stretch of the imagination, but to be able to take, listen to Try a Little Tenderness, listen to Coffee and Cigarettes, listen to anything that he's done. It's just my favorite voice of all time. Otis Redding's voice is my first pick, and it's the best pick. I'm sorry, I don't want to shit on everybody else, but that's my pick. So, Will, who's your first pick? Uh, so my first pick is going to be uh, absolute legend. Uh, it's going to have to do with uh, movement. I, 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 I got to take James Brown's dance moves. Ooh, that's a good and, uh, one. That's a great one. I, you know, especially like you know, being on stage. You know, I'm, I'm, I got like this, you know, 10 you pound a bomb. piece of metal hanging on my neck, you know, like I, I'm, I'm carrying around this like heavy thing, you know, I want to be able to move, you know, smooth and, and, and James Brown's the king. He is the king. He's the godfather, man. He's the godfather of soul. He's a fucking man. Who were we just talking to about? Oh, we were talking about James Brown to uh, Shane Hall. We were talking about why yeah, he was the we fucking were, yep. man. Uh, well, that's a great pick. I thought about James Brown today. I thought about James Brown and Ray Charles, and I went James Brown. So uh, that's a fucking fantastic pick. Dave, what's your first pick? So I'm going to kind of work backwards. Um, so we, I mean, we joke. It's a half joke. It's not a half joke about me becoming like a rock star, but it's not a joke. At my, all. It's dead fucking serious. My end goal is, is I just want to pick up a guitar at any given time and play it seamlessly, fluidly. Sound good doing it like around a campfire, showing off around friends in a basement, blah, blah, blah. And Chadwick Stokes is like the perfect guy to like kind of copy, I think, because I don't think like and you guys can speak to me. He's a guitarist for uh, Dispatch and State State Radio. Um, I don't think what he plays, especially his songs are like crazy complicated or anything, but it's just like good jam out like with friends music. And I love Dispatch personally. They're one of my favorite bands. And uh, that's like my end goal 
um, as I like progress as a guitar player is to just be able to play similar uh, to uh, Chadwick Stokes. See, what I like about that answer is the fact that you're finding out who you are and you didn't go like, oh, I want to be able to play like Jimi Hendrix, which is like yeah. an unattainable goal in a certain perspective. But you're like, I know what I want to sound like. And that's a fucking really good pick. Dave, you're on top of shit this week, dude. Good fucking job. There you go. <laughs> All right. So my, my second pick, and this is more of a broader thing. I would want to take Kanye West creative fearlessness. That would be my pick. And that's a, that's a fucking broad thing, but I'll explain my answer. Whatever you that think. That takes about balls Kanye, right there. That's whatever you think about Kanye or whatever. Kanye's fearlessness and his ability to change from album to album. And the idea of like, I always think about the transition between like graduation to 808s and heartbreaks to fucking dark twisted fantasy to Jesus are four completely different artists, basically sonically visually all of that, but just the knowledge of who he was or what he was trying to do at a given time is what I would like to instill in myself. It's what I try and do all the time. But the fact that he said, okay, so I made a perfect album with my dark twisted fantasy. The next album I'm going to make, Let's make it basically unlistenable on the first listen to make Jesus. Let's start it out with fucking two minutes of distorted synths by the Daft Punk and see where we go from there. That's the kind of shit I love. And just the, the fearlessness and the creative fearlessness of Kanye West is something I'd like to put in myself. So that's my second pick. Will, what's your second pick? My second pick is going to be I want John Mayer's sense of humor. He's hilarious. I, 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 like I, that. I, I think... And I think especially when you like, obviously when you look at a band like Wolfpack um, and in, and in a lot of like, you know, a lot of uh, Corey Wong's bits and, and the, the acting that uh, he does in his variety show, I think there is a really special place in certain music for senses of humor. And oh, yeah. I think that John Mayer's got a great one. And I think, I mean, he's not a perfect person, obviously, but I yeah, think who is nobody is dude can be very, very funny um, in a very, you know, lighthearted way that is very endearing. And so I think I, I, I just like that quality. The thing about John Mayer's sense of humor is it comes from a place of absolute confidence. Like he, oh, he's yeah. so, he's so like, like goofy and like, but at the end of the day, there's this really great thing. It's him and Kanye back in the day in the studio and him and Kanye is like talking to each other. And you can just tell John Mayer knows that he can play the holy fuck out of the guitar. Like you just know. he. Like, well, that's the thing. I think, I think about John Mayer in that, like, I think over the years he's learned to take, what was very genuine like he had a huge ego oh, oh huge yeah so the point of it being a problem hey, and i think bear. that over that's the what queen years, of california been, is all about oh yeah i know i've seen to, that and i think over the years he's been able to take that ego and now the way that it manifests itself in his humor is now like he's turned it into sarcasm and yeah. i think that is just the little bit of edge that kind of takes off the oh this guy is like full of himself like Douchey i think bear. he's like sarcastically himself you need I, to know if it's coming from a real place i think there <laughs> you need to go and look you know. up a video it's it's done by uh i think it was like cbs or something it was like a sunday morning show and it's called john mayer recovering ego addict and it was right before born and raised came out when he had the vocal surgery mm -hmm. and they were talking about it. he was like i was a douchebag a hundred percent 
And me and Ken always joke about Douchey Mayer when John Mayer was wearing like collarless leather jackets and just like saying dumb shit in the press. Well, that's a great fucking pick, dude. Uh, Dave, who's your second pick? My favorite, favorite, favorite vocalist I've ever listened to, I can get lost in her music, is Nora Jones. I think she is just incredible. Incredible. Dude. She gives me the chills when I listen to her music. Nora Jones. I mean, there's so many characteristics of Nora Jones that I would, I would, I would take. One, her songwriting. Two, her piano yep. playing. She's a great guitar player. She's a great harmonizer. Like literally, a perfect musician. She's just, a perfect musician. She's a fucking incredible, musician. dude. That's 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 it. And I mean, just like can seamlessly go from genre to genre. Yep. Like she's just that's a fucking great pick. Like if I could pick somebody's voice, she might be right at the top of my list. So that, that goddamn, that's a fucking. I great love pick. her voice, dude. She's I love best. her voice. If you haven't yet, if anybody out there hasn't yet, we talked about Nora Jones on the episode with Robbie Fox, and he was talking about Forever Lee. That's right, we did. It's the duo album with her and Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Fuck you, Dave. Green Day's the shit. I know. Fuck you. It, like, <laughs> like it always. I and I just don't like Green Day. We'll get into so it. That was that was a little different because I can separate the two, but it yeah. was fantastic nonetheless. It'd be great if we just got Green Day on here. We got like Trey Cool or, or Mike Turner <laughs> or and I just be like, yo, by the way, Dave hates you. I feel like I Billy Joe Armstrong will find you and beat the shit out of you. Dude. All right. So my, my last pick, uh, we talked about him earlier. Anderson Pack. I want Anderson Pack's groove. I want his ability to put things in a fucking pocket. Like, as a musician, as a crafter of songs, and especially as a drummer, like, it was between him and Steve Jordan for the, for the groove in the pocket. Like, the pocket, Dave, is just when you are... It's hard to explain as a musician, but when you're just, like, in the fucking zone and you're mm-hmm. grooving, no one does it right now better than Anderson Pack. Like, literally just puts people in a fucking groove. I would take his ability. It's an internal thing. This is not something... I don't even think it's something you can learn. That is built into your aura as a human being. I want Anderson Pack's groove. So, for me, my three picks were Anderson Pack's groove... And I'll tell you why you're... And I'll, and I'll tell you why you're right. It's because being a rapper is just as rhythmic as being a drummer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can play drums and rap and still keep that rhythm and that time and that pocket is another level of groove, honestly, for one person to hold down all of those things. I think that's, it's ungodly. That's what makes Anderson Pack even more impressive. So watch his tiny desk. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, watch Anderson Pack and the Free Nationals tiny desk. It's one of the best. Uh, so my three picks are Kanye West creative fearlessness, the groove of Anderson Pack, and Otis Redding's voice. Will, what's your final pick? So my my final pick was a toss up. I was I was thinking, you know, obviously we've got Corey Long on the podcast this week, so we're gonna have a lot of Wolfpack fans listening, and so I was gonna go with uh, Jacob Collier's versatility, ability to play mm. any instrument in, in the entire world. He's a one man band. He's a one man walking record. Yeah. Um, you know, but that aside, I feel like I've been I, I've I've been trying to avoid musical uh picks for this so you know obviously james brown's dance moves john mayer's sense of humor and i think and it's because it's an area that i lack in heavily it's kendrick lamar's lyricism oh god and his ability to tell us his ability to tell a story while also just creating pure word art yeah that's t- something I can't do. I've never written good lyrics in my entire life, <laughs> bro. I, I I thought about picking a lyrical pick, like about like who's. To me, it would have been more like, who I can't write in that style, 
Like I can never do what Kendrick Lamar does. Kendrick is Kendrick will be remembered. He's great too. He will be remembered as a god level MC for the reason that one, he does it like nobody else, and and two, you think about like uh, sing about me, I'm dying of thirst, like the storyline behind that, or like Wesley's theory, and it just and the entire fucking aura of Kendrick Lamar. It's a great fucking pick, Will. So, Will, your picks were Kendrick Lamar's lyricism. John Mayer's sense of humor and James Brown's dance moves. God damn, that's a charming motherfucker right there. James Dave, Brown, what, man. James, what, uh, Dave, what's your last pick? I'm a so I, I brought these guys up to you before, and you wouldn't have heard of them um, prior to me introducing them to you. But Rod Tough Curls in the Bench Press, they're a local cover band mm. um, that I have known for years, and I've got to know them on a personal level. But they put on the best shows of all time, man. Um, the bar that we're eventually going to play at Joe's on Wheat Tree, which is where I've seen like Garth Brooks, um, Darius Rucker. I've seen a lot of like big, big time. Um, like if, as soon as Rod Tough Curls in the bench press, as soon as they announce the show at Joe's on Wheat, it's like a thousand person concert venue. They're sold out in two minutes. It's yeah. they, they're, I'm my, their skill I want is their stage presence. So oh, it's, okay. it, they, they play anything you want and they're South side guys. They're huge White Sox fans, huge, huge sports fans. But and they've gotten so big that they're starting to tour around all the Midwest and uh, they do weddings and they're very expensive to book now. Um, they got hit very hard by Corona, as all musicians did. But um, you, I cannot wait to get you guys to one of these shows because you will have I the time wait. of your life. Um, so their stage presence, they they um, they they wear like short shorts on stage, like 1980s gym outfits, basically. Yeah. Um, and they just embrace how how like ridiculous they look and they're so much fucking fun, man. I Dude, cannot wait to see them again. We have a great cover band out here in Philly called the soul cruisers. Have you mm-hmm. ever seen the soul cruisers? Will? I have not. No, Oh man. That's a classic, uh, Northeast Philly down the shore. I uh, go to fucking, I don't know, like Westies or Keenan's and they're out there on a Saturday night. I always have respect. I, I something I don't enjoy doing is like playing covers or doing, I've done the cover band thing when I was in college, I don't enjoy it, but the swag they have to have to pull that shit off and just fucking dominate a show when it's not even your music. That's a good that's a good example of like stage presence that I would like to embody. Like will like all right, so my, my final like we have like any honorable mentions that you guys might have. I had one for stage presence and mine was Prince. Like I would take oh, yeah. sta- Prince's stage presence in a goddamn heartbeat. The confidence and the fucking it's very hard for like he's a got five- that exact confidence that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, like 100%, just knows he's better than everybody at everything. He knows it. He knows it. Yeah. Do you think you could sit on a fucking purple motorcycle and a purple goddamn flirt, like fluffy tuxedo with that haircut and not be nope. the most confident motherfucker on earth? Prince is Prince is the all time like he's my favorite performer of all time probably. Like I I I don't I don't think that there's like a a better. Like stage personality or just a band leader than well maybe James Brown. James Brown's probably the greatest band leader of all time. Uh, I have no doubt about that. Like, but I mean Prince to me is well, like you, I mean he I mean I think he was known for being super uh cutthroat and like not great to work for, which is why James you know, Brown like you got you know about a lot of people like yeah James Brown, you know, he was definitely a real tough, tough guy to work for. Yeah, he's um, fine you for being later I, being I, honestly game. I yeah he would I mean he would like you know, dock horn players money for missing notes and stuff. Like oh, shit. It, it was ruthless. It I was think that's, ass, you know, yeah. Yeah. Prince, uh, Prince I think it's Prince, the best halftime show ever. He was prolific. In I agree with that. 
Prince had the best halftime show of all time. That was the Super Bowl the Bears lost, so I wish I could forget it, but that was the best Super Bowl halftime show I've ever seen. Shouts out to Rex Grossman for that. And Prince also was a and, and Prince was also really I mean, I think he was a little bit more of a pioneer with like the way that he really incorporated uh women into his into his bands. I think Dude, a lot he, of, yeah, uh, absolutely. in that day and age weren't doing that. And I think that was super important uh to do that and i think it really paid off in his music so prolific in, in songwriting but live shows also like amazing yeah when you watch people like jack white have an entire backing band of women like that is not like he's not an originator for that prince always had a, a ton of women in his band which of course if you follow foxtrot you know that's important to us because we always like to incorporate that as well uh because they're fucking awesome. Dude. Let me tell you. Uh, all right. So that is our green room pick for the week. Before we get out of here, we're going to go into our interview with Katie Feeney. But before that, uh, we have to do a double check real quick on the way out. Dave, how are you feeling about your guitar skills? Getting there. I like, so I obviously had the uh, like three or four week stretch where I was out of town nonstop and didn't touch a guitar. But over the last two weeks, it's, it's coming along very well. It's coming along yeah. so much better. I agree um, with that 150%. I so tomorrow I'm I'm booked. We'll call it that. We'll say I'm booked. But Thursday, you and I are going to get together again whatever time I'll be able to make whatever work and uh yeah, it's getting there. I'm I'm happy with my progress in the last 2-3 weeks for sure. I'm happy too. And you've been putting the work in. Trust me. I'm I'm ready to like let people know about like what I plan what we plan on doing with this and how who we're mm-hmm. going to incorporate and in helping us and all this shit. There's a lot more content to come. Uh, speaking of content to come, before we get out of here as well, Will, we're getting ready to shoot everything for the new stuff, the new music. What, how would you describe the new Foxtrot shit? I would say get ready for higher energy, more focus, just unadulterated rock. Yeah. Uh, you know, something, something that's going to trigger a little bit more nostalgia than uh, – than intrigue or, or I, I think it's just going to be, you know, hit, hit you right in the chest with yeah, it's with way some... more punch you in the face than it is. Try and like make you do math while you listen to it. It's fucking fun. Just be ready to give up two minutes and like 20 seconds at a time. Cause that's what we're going to be giving you. We're just fucking punching in the face and I can't wait for it, but all right, that's our fucking episode this week. Uh, stick around for our interview with Katie Feeney, AKA Roberta, Roberta Faceplant, and our pick of the week. Everything is trash. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our pick of the day is a dear friend of the band. She's one of the most talented vocalists in Philadelphia. You may know her from the band. You do you, you may know her as Roberta Faceplant. She is our friend, Katie Feeney. Katie, how the fuck are we? Hey, bro. (laughs) What an intro. (laughs) God, I love you, dude. Good to be back on the Zoom with you, bro. (laughs) Katie, it's a a fucking honor as always. You're our pick of the week. Uh, Uh, I'm I'm so grateful. I really appreciate that. You know, I love the fam. I love you guys, but it means a lot to me, especially my solo stuff. Well, I didn't know you were doing solo stuff. How the fuck did, did this come about? I mean, honestly, the it, it, I got pushed to do this in 2018 to like let Roberta wow. out because uh, uh, one of my favorite artists, Maggie Kerner, who's from mm. New Orleans. Do you know her? She I know she her. Uh, with Galactic and like the Revheads a lot. And you know, um, I love Galactic. If you didn't know yeah, that, I fucking yeah. love Galactic. She's amazing on her own, and she never really came this far north. So uh, when she did, she was at Boot and Saddle, rest in peace. Oh my god. R.I.P. to Boot. My and favorite venue uh, in South Philly here, and uh, you know, I reached out to the booking person at the time, and I was like, "Hey, you got an opener?" 
And he was like, well, you do you would be way too loud. This is like a three piece, you know, like, is this the premiere of your solo project? And I was like, yes. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> yes, in fact, it is. So like pulled together a band for that. And uh, my husband, Drew, who is also in UDU, like we both also love country music. Like he's from Georgia. I'm from Northwestern Pennsylvania, which can get a little, you know, can get a little. Little pencil talkie in there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially Erie just got demoted to rural. So like, you know, people <laughs> like country music. My dad likes country music. My sister loves country music. Like, and I like, I, I like was raised on the old stuff, like Patsy Cline and stuff like that. So we've always, you know, we cover a lot of country music and that doesn't fit with you to you. So like, right. um, you know, COVID, it's a little harder to get seven people together as I'm sure you understand. Oh yeah. Uh, and so it, you know, we wrote these songs like in 2018 and then I kind of, didn't do too much with them because I focused on releasing, you know, those first four UDU singles off the the album, which we still need to finish this year too. You Come know, on, man, I'm juggling it too much. I know, I know. Too much on zero brain, man. No, <laughs> no, it's all right. But anyway, so Roberta Faceplant uh, was a nickname that my buddy Mike Hoffman gave to me when I had a Led Zeppelin band. It's a play on Robert Plant, obviously, um, <laughs> but Roberta Faceplant because I'm an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> disagree heavily. Well, like, you know, like, like fearlessly the idiot faced the crowd, Pig Floyd type of idiot, you know? Oh, like, okay. I'm, then I'm, I'm an idiot like, as well. I am yeah, also an idiot. Exactly. I would say that you're also an idiot. Proudly. <laughs> <laughs> We're both idiots. But yeah, so like, I wrote that song like 2017. We decided to record it uh, over 2020. Uh, we did the, um, you know, everything in house except for the drums, which were done by my buddy Luke Kaczynski at Sleepless Sound Studio. Oh, so okay. He, I kind of sent him some demos and some live versions and was like, can you do the drums and just send it back? And then we'll do everything and then we'll send it back to you. So he mixed and mastered it as well. Who was um, playing the honky tonk guitar? Drew. Drew's Get playing everything except for the, except for the drums. I first off to be a funk guitar player and then be a, a honky tonk guitar player is astronomically difficult because I've been in situations in Nashville where I've watched honky tonk guitar players cut shit on my records right and I can't do it so shout out to Drew because that's unfucking believable well I will he's a fan of your podcasting skills and music so I will tell him that you're a fan I, of his as well God damn. <laughs> not his well, podcasting skills either. well so here's here's a question I have so Everything is trash. You wrote it in 2017 and it seems to fit way too yeah. topically well. Do you blame yourself for 2020 now? <laughs> it's so funny because I kept being like, I have to release this song before the world gets better. And then I'm like, no, nah, it's still fine. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, you know, like Joe Biden got elected. And I was like, I gotta get this song out. And then like on June, or not June, oh my God. It's, where are we? On January 6th, knows? when they like stormed the Capitol, you know, I was like, no, we still got This makes I'm a lot of push, sense. I'm gonna push the release to February and give myself proper time. So um, yeah, so we, we released it on February 12th. Uh, it's been like, I've been very overwhelmed with kind of the positive response. It's really cool. Um, it's outstanding some, some blogs from around the world like we got uh new zealand and australia Ooh. and like portugal so it's pretty cool it's never <laughs> i've never gotten that kind of like international uh attention before so it's pretty neat i got there's a radio station in ireland that's gonna play it but they're like well where are you from in ireland and they guess and i'm like yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> like yeah we can track my ancestry to there so that's dope. K katie feeney sounds like a name where they could track your fucking you know they could track yeah, your lineage over there it's hard to pretend to be Italian, you know? 
<laughs> dude, I get that. Uh, my name's Colin Budney. Do you think I look like <laughs> I am actually? I'm not Irish at all, which is weird. You think Colin? Why you look like you are, yeah. Nothing. You, what what do you got? What do you got? So I'm white. I'm white people soup. So I'm a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a lot of things. So uh, I, I grew I up. In, too. I grew up in my grandma's house, uh, and her name was Gloria Maria Lucia de Rocco. So my grandmother is very Italian. Nice. Uh, so that's the only side I really like. I like identify with. Uh, great. She's got a stoop. She makes gravy. She's got a neighbor named. That Marie was exactly what she, did. she was the, uh, the crazy cat lady of Northeast Philadelphia. But it's I all happening. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm Polish. My last. Me name too. Is, I'm a my, quarter Polish. I'm a quarter Polish too. Hey, yeah. So my my last, brother. My last name was Budnikowski, and they shortened it to Budney when they came to America. See. Mm. Oh man. See, you'd fit right in, and you do. You. We got. We got. Uh. You got some uh, skis. Yeah, we got Aaron Butchkowski and uh, <laughs> Alex Baranowski. <laughs> See, this is why I love America. This is like one of the things I take pride in. I, this is why I do love America. There's a lot of reasons to be on the fence right now, but the one thing I do love is that there is a story. There's always a fucking story, and we're a land of people from different places. But I'm not going to get political on this. Let's talk about the song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, leave it to me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Well, this obviously is the song that we we head towards a political landscape. But more than anything, the the one lyric that I took away was talking about being lost on our fucking phones. Because if there's ever a time that it means something, it's right the fuck now. So talk to me about what what the song's about. Um, uh, you know, I funneled a lot of rage into that one. You know, I like to play by a little trick I have learned from like hollow notes, which was to, you can obviously be talking about something, but then you don't have to be like, so blatant Want. about it. You yeah. can kind of like hide that message. And so people can kind of read, but this one's less, I mean, like, it, like there's some parts where I'm definitely, you know, talking to leaders in power. <laughs> As uh, you should. As I should, but then yeah, there's other parts where I'm just talking to like my friends and myself. Like yeah. I can't stand when we spend all day on their phones, you know. And like you're looking at it, and people's what they put on there isn't uh, like a reflection of reality, and so you can get your oh, head yeah. all twisted and upset, and you compare yourself to other people, and it's just like that's a dumpster fire as much as things that are happening in Washington. So like I don't know. Yeah, the overall takeaway is like just kind of reflecting on the. The big and the small trash, you know. And well, uh, I, I love the fact that the name of the song is everything. Cheek. Everything is trash. And, I say that a lot too. And also, you were referring to yourself. So literally, everything. Everything. Is trash. Yeah, no. yeah. We're all idiots, and everything's trash, Colin. If we've learned anything <laughs> this year, is we all have a little bit of trash in us. I believe. <laughs> I think we've. Well, all, yeah, that's right. A in lot the of self reflection, right? Yeah. Like you have a dark, you have a shadow self, and you have, you know, I don't know. I believe in that too. Like everybody has, like fear and you know uh shame and guilt and anger mm. inside of them and it's what you decide to do with it so like i put it into that song and then i smashed a uh the video is outstanding a dude. broken laptop and a phone in the video because that really but, helped me release it now it's all it's all released dude another reason why we're 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 basically relatives at this point is we were when we did uh legends we do don't, both like to smash things yeah, yeah we, we destroyed a computer in the legends don't die promo we should just go break shit someday. You want to go break I shit? I would love to. I would right, love cool. to break That's some awesome. shit with you. <laughs> well, so before we head into playing the song, the song's break fucking outstanding. Records. Just kidding. Let, <laughs> let's talk about influences for like instrumentation because I'm used to hearing you on a more funky side and I know that you do have a countryside as well. You brought up Patsy Cline. Who else would be like an inspiration behind the way? Because I hear like country stones in there and we were talking about the stones a lot last week. I hear like the country honk stones. Like what else would you say would be an inspiration there? I mean, I bet, I think Drew and I would have completely different 
inspirations, you know, mm. and like, I won't speak too much for his, like mine vocally. Um, cause I don't want to get him wrong. I don't want him to be like, Oh, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, if he, if he listens to this later, but mine, you know, deadly Pets client, die pardon. Of course. Of course. Um, but like, okay. Like more recently, like I live and die for everything that Casey Musgraves does, so uh, especially her older stuff. And, um, there's a lot of really cool new artists that I've learned about just from like, you know, kind of like listening and trying to figure out, you know, cause with you do you, we just like make whatever music we want with, with this. I had mm -hmm. to try to like, after I started the project in 2018, I was realizing I'm like, oh, you're just hodgepodging everything together again. Like you do, you yeah. like, what is Roberta Fee saying? Like, what does this sound like? You know, it's like the only song that's going to survive from that 2018 era is everything is trash. And so then I was kind of sitting down and like, fundamentally, who do you want to be like, listen to all that old country and just like soak it all in. Um, some new people I want to shout out though. Um, uh, Tammy Nielsen, uh, I think she's from New Zealand. Oh my God, go look at, wow. I'll send it to you. Some uh, just like belting old, like rockabilly soul country. Um, Katie J Pearson, who's taking a little bit more of the like pop uh, tongue in cheek. Um, I think she's British. I'm not sure. Pearl Charles is another one that I'm really into right now. I'm going to so, write all these down because I've been Yeah, and like they're kind of like country fusion artists. So like I'm trying to like figure out like I, I want Roberta Facepan to be like cosmic country. Like, you know, fusing that, that old adjective. tradition, like that, like the heart and soul of like, you know, the two kinds of music, country and Western, you know, yeah. but then like also like keeping it modern because like I don't I can't be anyone but myself like I as much as I try to like do music that sounds like a thing you know like yeah. <laughs> well you're authentically it. you and you I, like, always yeah. are that's what we <laughs> love about you though and that's so much of what this specific oh, thanks, episode man. has been about it's about like shameless authenticity yeah and and everything that you do because you do you you do you is a reflection of what you and Drew do with that band, but this is a reflection of a different side of you. And and the thing is, whenever I listen to your music, you don't get anything but you. Like you know what I mean? Like you don't. I don't feel like I'm listening to another band. I feel like I'm listening to you, to you, I or Katie. That. <laughs> another another artist I, I wanted to know because someone I've been on recently that like, do you ever listen to Jade Bird? No, I've looked that up. Check out Jade Bird, and she reminded you. Reminded me of you in a certain perspective, because I love when you get a little belty, you get gravelly. Like yeah. You, you, yeah, you get a little bit in there. <laughs> I made you sound like the Undertaker. <laughs> another, if you like that, another person that I forgot to mention that I totally should have said is Carrie Ann Hurst. Um, Dude, I haven't heard of any of these names. Carrie Ann Hurst is the other half of Shovels and Rope. Oh, okay. Well, so I you've definitely heard of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, but go back and listen to her her first two solo albums. Mm. The second, her second album is so good. Um, like I like it better than Shovels and Ropes. Sorry, really? Carrie and Hurst, if you're listening. I'm sure she'll take that as a comment. <laughs> Call me. I love you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I need you to, to send me the list of everybody you just said. because I, I will. I'll make I'm you a little it. playlist. Yeah. You, you know how I feel about the uh, about about a woman's voice. Like it's the best instrument to ever be created. It can't be top. Well, yeah, that's why you have Erica in your band. Yeah. I'm blessed. We're all blessed. The best blessed. woman voice of them all. Dude, we're blessed to be we're blessed to be around a lot of amazing women who sing we really are like between yeah. you brie alex i mean there i could go on for i was so days. impressed with all of them in the studio but well uh, yeah we, we didn't even talk about this on camera so the last time i saw right. katie was before i went to nashville in october she was a part of our fucking like little super group that we put together to cut this song 
that never saw the light of day, but we had a great fucking time <laughs> making it. We were there till like two in the morning. It was like pouring rain. I left my bike there. I'd like go back for it the next day. <laughs> Do you remember what happened that night? Something in the news happened that night while we were in the studio in, in this piece uh... of, it was the first presidential debate. And that was oh, when, yeah, 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 when yeah, yeah, Trump yeah. said uh, bad things happen in Philadelphia. And we were all just and like, we were all sitting together and we I was all like, like yeah, with what? the heart of Philadelphia, like <laughs> we were just sitting there like, yo, you guys were just like why? fighting the air. You're just like, come on, for us. Come on, fucking talk to me. No, it's not, <laughs> you just right. want to talk to us like that? You want to fucking talk to me like that, dude? All right. So I digress. The song's fucking outstanding. When's the next time we're going to hear something solo from you? solo from me i mean that's what i gotta i gotta write more everything else has been cleared out um so i gotta start from Ooh. scratch kind of now yeah that's there's fun, nothing though. i know i'm excited about it's so, like everything is trash is the first one i think uh i'm gonna do try to do a four song ep this year there'll be Beautiful. one tom petty cover on there that i've determined will be on there do you know uh, which one it is yeah we do uh two gunslingers which is a little bit of a uh, a, a backtrack i don't care not, let's fucking go not I, a single but we do it real solemn yeah nice right that's behind uh, wallflowers right there or the folks at home wallflowers well it's on his wall people yeah. at home give technically it's wallflowers but <laughs> they're wall been, wildflowers <laughs> what's your favorite petty album Ooh, this is hard well yeah i like wildflowers but i like uh it's the great wide open and i like damn the torpedo why well, that's like all of them damn sorry the torpedoes is my favorite tom petty album it's just my dad had crates and crates of records when we were a kid and the front of one of the crates it's a fucking milk crate so you can see through it was the pink cover of damn the torpedoes and i stared at it every fucking day and it just i mean it's a perfect album i mean full moon fever is great too like one of his solo records like did you ever see the uh i don't know what the show is called like behind the music or something with damn the torpedo no uh, but i should watch it <laughs> oh it's classic albums that's what it is no uh, i'm gonna watch it though oh it's so good you gotta watch that you got a lot to we got a lot to, of content to take in here oh one more thing see now we're just talking music here. <laughs> my what my wife good. Me the listeners at home will have some new tunes too my wife so. bought me this album for my birthday and it's called echoes in the canyon and it was a documentary that Jacob, yeah i watched that you yeah. watch that yeah i uh -huh. have the vinyl of it so it's it's Jacob oh that's Allen. cool um i know tom petty's a part of it uh fiona apple's on it and they're doing all these like mamas and the papa songs and yeah it's so fucking cool that's awesome i i didn't know that they released that as like a an album oh yeah um but have you have you watched the documentary now too it's awesome yeah, that, yeah. i watched the documentary first because I, I i'm a like i think the the wallflowers not the wild out like the wallflowers are one of the most underrated bands in the 90s i just fucking love jacob dylan we can drive it home <laughs> it's a great song it's a great song i fucking love that song and this is like a hot take on my part because i don't i guess i had uh you got him you gotta got gotta got him bringing down the horse <laughs> is the fucking album the wallflowers the guy had all those hits on it and i had that as a kid and i just thought it was the greatest fucking album of all time i do remember the album cover of that stars and the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like a <laughs> bullshit let's get to the music katie i love you thank you for being here you're gonna come i back love you too man we'll talk co-host and we're gonna talk soon all right i can't wait for it give my love to cowboy i will everything is trash ladies and gentlemen